Hey, uh, so in all of this, uh, we're, we're jumping back in the armor of God. And uh, man, no doubt, you ask my wife, ask my family, ask anybody. Man, I even had my first pastorate, man. I had somebody say, dude, don't ever preach those messages about the devil or about warfare or about any of those. Because I'll guarantee you when you start preaching that, when you start talking about it and we teach it from the word of God, there will be opportunities to use it. There will be severe warfare, especially for those who want to dive in and actually take their walk with God to the next level. And, and I'll tell you, in the last month, I have seen it. I've seen it every week. I don't even know what's going to happen this week, man. It might even be from somebody who watches online or whatever, but I've seen it. I have just seen it in our own lives. I've seen it. But God is allowing that warfare to intensify in our lives to make us more like him. And so uh, it reminds me of a story I kind of read earlier this week. I'd never really thought about this, and I even had to look it up kind of, and I, I put it on Facebook last night. You actually liked it about the bees and the butterflies and the botanists, all that. And I had to remove it because it said, yeah, bees don't do anything. But anyway, so there's a story. Only she knows what I'm talking about right now. How many of y'all are like, dude, I'm clueless. What's he even talking? There you go. All right, you'll, I'm going to fill you in real quick. All right, so anyways, it was a story I read recently about, about butterflies botanist in bees, man. And it was kind of interesting because I've seen it in the church. I've seen it in our Christianity. I've seen it especially as God does try to stretch us and make us go deeper into our walk with him. Now, butterflies. How many of y'all like butterflies, man, right? Y'all like butterflies? Butterflies are cute. They're just flying around. You know, they were an ugly caterpillar, so they're just digging being a butterfly now. Uh, they're just kind of whoop, 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 flying around looking pretty. And they have real skinny legs, real skinny. I think it's called a proboscis. Help me out. A, a proboscis, that's the name of it? Yep. That's the little, little skinny straw they have where they can just stick it in the flower and go, and just get enough that, you know, kind of like Mary was just sucking on that coffee, a little sip. Yeah, remember that. Mary, show us how they do that one more time. A little sip. Y'all watch Mary real quick. Come on, be a butterfly. Just a little sip, a little sip. You can hold your pinky out if you want. There you go. All right, that's it. That's what butterflies do, man. Butterflies kind of flits around, and, and they got long, skinny legs, and they accidentally get some pollen on their legs while they're down there, but, you know, kind of touching things. And then they stick their little struggle. Ooh, that was good. And then they fly off to the next flower, and they just keep kind of doing that, right? And nothing wrong with that. That's why God made them or whatever. But um, it, 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 I'm going to bring you to a point here. But then the botanist now, the botanist dude, he walks out there, and he's got a notebook. He watches what the butterflies and bees and everybody does, and he takes all these notes. He knows more about what they're doing than they know what they're doing, <laughs> you know? I don't think butterflies go to butterfly school and learn how to be a butterfly, dude. They were just wrapped up in a... Maybe they do in that cocoon. I don't know. Maybe God's going to blow us away one day with it. But the fact is, a botanist, man, he knows everything there is to know about it. He writes it down. He's got it in a notebook. But what happens when he's done watching? He closes up the notebook and walks away with all his knowledge. He just walks away with all did, did he get any of that nectar or any of that pollen? No, he didn't do any of it. He didn't get any of that. He just got a bunch of knowledge is what he got. Now, nothing wrong with knowledge, but there is if you don't do anything with it. But then the bee, dude. How many of y'all like bees? Anybody like bees? Yeah, Dude, how many of y'all would like to be a bee? Just if you could, I mean, God, man, you wouldn't even want to be a bee. No, because you're like a long, skinny butterfly, man. You got them long legs, man. Just getting a little pollen. Dude, I'm a bee, dude. <laughs> I'm a bee. But Kevin, you're a bee. You're a big bee. Dude, bees, dude. How many of y'all are a bee, dude? When you do something, you just dive in, man. You're just all in. You are covered. Isn't that what bees do? Bees are like, mm, psh, 
and they got short little legs, man. They don't walk out clean. You ever see a bee fly out? That bee is covered with pollen. And while that bee's down there, man, he ain't taking a little sip with his pinky out, man. That bee's down there, you know, sucking up all the pollen. Go to the Chinese restaurant, the Thai restaurant, me and Kevin after church. If that, Oh, we're going to eat in Italian today, right? Well, man, dude, all in. My blue shirt probably won't be blue after lunch. I'm just saying, because I'm jumping in. Boom, blah, blah, and the bee comes out covered with pollen, stuffed as full as it can be, full of nectar. Man, that sounds like us, right? You, you looking forward to that? Right now, he's like, dude, I'm hungry. I want to go now. And, and so I was thinking about that because the analogy is this, that there are some Christians. They flutz around from church to church, to Bible study to Bible study, to, to book to book, to conference to conference, to little group, to little group, and they flits around. And do they get anything out of it? Yeah. They're like a butterfly. They get a little bit here, get a little bit here. They got enough to be, whoo, yes, praise Jesus. But, man, there's more to life than being a butterfly, dude. <laughs> and, and, and you get some, but you just flitzing around, and, and you could be accomplishing so much more. But then I know a bunch of Christians, man, that are botanists. How many of y'all know botanist Christians? Uh, now, I'm not saying anything bad about taking notes and taking your, you guys, I'm not making fun of any of y'all note takers or anything, but man, I know people that are more, uh, the Pharisees, they love God's word more than they actually love God. You know that? They love God's word more. When God tried to come and say, no, this is what my word said that, no, we're experts on the word, God. We know better than you. You know, they, they got, the botanists write it all down. They got it. They know every theology. They could argue theology with you. Anybody know people like that? And I'm saying we got to know theology, because if you don't believe the right stuff, you won't do the right stuff. But again, you got to do something with it. And so I think what God wants us to do when we hear messages, when we get into the word ourselves, I don't know that he really wants you to be a butterfly and flits around from this person and this group to this group and never make a commitment anywhere, just kind of flitzing around. I know he doesn't want you to be a botanist where all you do is have a whole bunch of knowledge and you never really use it. But he wants you to be a bee, dude. I want you to think about that, man. He wants you to dive in head first. In fact, when you dive in in your relationship to him, when you dive in in prayer, dude, when you dive in in prayer, how many of you ever dove in in prayer and you came up just totally covered with nectar and pollen from God? Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many times have you ever gone into the Word of God? When you go into the Word of God, it's not like, oh, I'm just going to touch a little bit of it here. Okay, okay, God, I did your Word today. I learned a little. Or, 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 or what He wants you to do is He wants you to dive in. When you come out of the Word, dude, He wants. You ever been at a Bible study? You go to Zane's Bible study. Would you say it's more indicative of, of butterflies? Is that how, how about botanists? It could be on the verge of botanists if you wanted to be a botanist. But dude, isn't Zane trying to help y'all just dive in like bees? If you go in, you come, un, you come out covered in the Word of God. And that's what Bible study should be when you're in the Word of God. That's what church should be. That's what we come out. Man, we need to be bees, all right? So that's what I'm encouraging y'all to be. Be a bee, all right? All right. So in that, but what happens now when you get covered with pollen, you get covered with all that nectar, when you're a bee, know that there's people that ain't going to like that that aren't going to like it. Know that we have an enemy named Satan that doesn't like it, who created a world system that, 
doesn't like you to be a bee because you don't conform, you don't fit in with it, and know that you have flesh that you were born with, and that, and that flesh doesn't like being covered with pollen. It really doesn't even like a little leg with some pollen like a butterfly. It, it'd really rather just be a fly, <laughs> you know? And so know that there's going to be opposition. And that's what we've been learning in Ephesians. We're almost through. I sense there will only be about eight more weeks of Ephesians. No, there will be maybe two more weeks of Ephesians, maybe. Man, maybe. We're, we're still in the armor of God. But what we learned in Ephesians chapters 1, 2, and 3 is that we are loaded with spiritual wealth. Man, remember I had the hose, and we had a spigot in heaven. The hose is the Holy Spirit, and we're the nozzle, and Christ is what connects it all together, and we're spraying everybody. That, that's our Christian life. Not everybody wants to be sprayed. There's going to be opposition. And that's what Paul says is that, that man, he said, you have all spiritual wealth. And, and we've been talking about the wealth as this bucket with the armor, that, that all your wealth is, here's God's unlimited bucket of wealth and might that he has for us. And, and, and so when we, when, we, when we know our wealth, chapters 1 through 3, he says in verse 4 and 5 now, or chapters 4 and 5, he says, now take that wealth and walk in it. Take the wealth that you learned that you have, eternal security, knowing that, that, that God picked you. Hey, how many of y'all, man, you were picked? When were Jesse, were you picked by God? You were picked by God. No, I'm God does have a nostril in the Psalms, but he weren't picked that way. You were picked by God, right? You were picked. Who purchased you? Christ purchased you. And who's protecting you? Holy Spirit. And that could possibly be why you guys are here instead of Haiti. Now, did you come here because the Holy Spirit of God led you here? Absolutely. And and, and if you're not listening to the Holy Spirit, dude, you can out of guilt and out of all kinds of other reasons be somewhere you're not supposed to be and miss that protection, which we'll talk about a little bit. But the fact is, look at the wealth you have. God picked you. How many of y'all know God picked y'all? Did, did you know you were picked by God? Yeah, you were picked. How long ago did he pick you? Yeah, from the beginning, right? Even though I just met you or whatever, some of y'all were like, you know, the, the, the ones we talked about today just got saved this week and stuff. How long ago did God pick them? For a, a long time ago. He picked you, and, and Christ purchased you at the cross. And, and God is, the Holy Spirit is protecting you. If you stay under that protection, you stay in the bucket. So we have all, these, all this spiritual wealth. And what the wealth boils down to is the wealth is his might. And when we walk in his wealth, here's what chapters three, uh, 4 five, and 5 and part of 6 says, get in his wealth. Get in his might. This is his bucket. And walk around in here. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. Probably talked about it last week. Well, that's kind of narrow. I don't want to just be in here. I don't want to just be in. How many of y'all been in his bucket of wealth and you're digging it there? But when you're on, but, but, but was there a time, Brand, in your life where you didn't think I was going to be so cool being in this little bucket? Man, I'm so limited. Oh, man, this is not that great. It, because you're not in it. Once you're in it, dude, there's no place you'd rather be but we get lured out. But here's what he says. You know your wealth, walk in your wealth, walk in it. But guaranteed, y'all, when we walk in our wealth and we live for God, when we are like a bee, dude, and we jump in and we're all covered with God, what can we expect? What can we expect? We We have wealth, we walk in our wealth. What can we expect next? Warfare. Guaranteed, we can expect warfare. That's why in that last part of chapter 6, he says, okay, 
I'm counting on you walking in your wealth. Here's what you do with warfare. Here's the armor that you put on, all right? And we've, uh, we've talked about it for a couple of weeks so far. We're going to hit the last three pieces of armor, and then we're going to hit prayer next week, which is crucial. Pray. How many of y'all got dressed this morning? Anybody get dressed this morning? Chuck, did you get dressed this morning, or did you just sleep in them clothes, man? No, you got dressed, man. Yeah. <laughs> Marley, you believe him? Did you see him last night? He went to bed. He didn't have them clothes on. All right. well, I'm just saying, yeah. Did you use your hands when you got dressed, bro? Yeah. Can you imagine getting dressed with no hands? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Next week, we'll try it out, all right? I'm going to bring some clothes and let y'all try to put some clothes on without hands. Because your hand, prayer is your hands. You can't put on a single piece of armor without prayer. So you're going to find out that the whole armor boils down to the word of God in prayer. Only Paul's sitting next to some Roman soldiers strapped to him, chained to him in jail, looking, and he's like, wow, what a great illustration of what God has for us. And, and, and here it is. So we learn in the armor, he says first, in the very first part of it, he says, be strong, all right? Be strong, but not in your own strength. Anybody tried to be strong in your own strength and it failed? Yeah, we try it all the time because that's what the world says to do. I can't be dependent on anybody. God's my ace in the hole, man. God, if, I ever, if, I, if I need some help, I'll let you know, God. I think I got this one. This is just a little one. I don't need to ask you about this part of my life or that part. God, I'll just do this. And, and, and he's my ace in the hole. No, no. He says, be strong. But he says, in the power of, what's the next words? His might. His might. It's his might. And you'll find out that the wealth that you have, that you gain, that he taught every bit of wealth he talks about in chapters one, two, and three goes back to his might. It's all about his might. Him picking you, that was his might. Him purchasing you, that was his might. Him protecting you, that was his might. Keeping you saved, hooking you up to do what he wants, living according to uh, the way he wants you to live. That's his might. Everything comes down to his might. So if his might is in here, where do we need to be? In the bucket. And that's what we've been talking about. So you got to get in the bucket. The power of his might. You can't live outside this bucket and do what God wants you to do. So he says, be strong because you're in warfare, man. There is warfare coming. There is warfare in your life. There's going to be opposition, especially if you choose to take it to the next level. How many of y'all experience that? Anybody experience that? Trying to take it to the next level, what God wants you to do. You go a little deeper, go a little stronger. There's opposition. And, and again, some old country preacher told me a long time ago, he said, if you ain't met the devil today, you're probably going his way. He's got no reason to oppose you if you are representing Christ in a, in a, in a, in a way that is lukewarm, you know? So be strong in the power is might. He says, now, put on the whole armor of God. How much armor do we put on? The whole armor, because as sure as we've got one leg out here, what's going to happen, Chris? That's the part the enemy's going to attack. That's the part that's going to get messed up. We can't live this way without problems. He, he, he says, put it all in here. That's what we want to be in, and we've gone in great detail about all of that. Put on the whole armor of God. And so when we put that we can stand against the wiles of the devil, he's got specific plans for you. He's got a specific game plan against you. That's different than somebody else. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your strengths. And he wants to attack you in the area. Dangle the right bait in front of your face to get you outside of here so he can kick your tail. 
because outside of here he can, but greater is the one that lives in us than the one that lives in the world. So we stand strong in the power of his might, and we put on the whole armor of God, because as we learn, we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against principalities, powers of darkness. We fight against a very elaborate army that Satan has. But the good news for us is that greater is the one that lives in us than the one that's in this world. Now, you want to go out and you want to fight him this way? Go ahead. You're going to get your tail kicked, all right? But in the power of his might, you're going to succeed. Does that mean you have no problems? No, that was what the theology in the 90s during the church growth movement said. Oh, come to Jesus and, and, and all your problems will go away. How many of y'all remember that? And then you came to Jesus and you're like, dang, they lied to me. I got more problems. Well, that's biblical. You get more problems, right? But the problems are there by God's design to make you more like him and to give him glory. That's what it's for. Now the theology is like, oh, come to Jesus and he'll fix everything. That way their theology can buy some time. Uh, you know, while Jesus isn't fixing everything according to your standards, they'll still get your tithe and get your butt in the seat and get, you know, your income, get whatever they need to build a church. That's not biblical. Biblical is you understand your spiritual wealth, you walk in it, there's going to be warfare. That's period. And that's what this life is about. It doesn't mean it's miserable. In fact, it's pretty cool to win battles, isn't it? Anybody win a battle? Kevin, you just won a battle, didn't you? Dude, what were you like, man? Was he really all upset and everything? Big, strong Kevin, going to take the test. Was he like, ooh, ooh, ooh. yeah? Did he get diarrhea because his stomach's all? I'm just saying, I'm just saying, dude, we tear ourselves up. Yeah, huh? He wouldn't eat. Oh, my goodness. Dude, that's a, yeah, that's warfare. Kevin's not eating, dude. If I'm at not ever not eating, something's wrong, right, Chuck? Something's wrong, man. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know it was that bad, Kevin. We would have laid hands on you and anointed you with some oil, some of that bacon grease oil. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> but listen, man, it, this is where you got to be. This is where you got to be. Be stronger and in, 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 in the power of his might, because in here, in here, it's all or nothing, dude. This is no good. This is no good. This is all or nothing of being in him. And outside of him, you will suffer severe defeat. In him, you will go undefeated. Now, that doesn't mean everything's good because he starts, and by the world standards, that is. So he starts off and he says, all right, so the first thing you're going to do, we talked about it last week. He said, you're going to gird your loins with the truth. And he, hey, Phil, did you gird your loins today? Did, did <laughs> you didn't gird your, dude. Did Trisha gird your loins? I'm just saying, oh my God. How many of y'all came to church without your loins gird today? Oh my, you're in trouble. That's the first piece of armor. That's why we learned last week what having your loins gird with the truth is. I like some of the other translations that basically we put on the belt of truth. Y'all remember us talking about last week that the Roman soldier, Paul would have seen him just, you know, walk around. They had a muumuu on, a tunic. A square piece of material hanging out there that's in the way. That's all your Bible, botanist Bible knowledge. That's all your, you know, little bits of pollen, whatever. It's all in the way. But what he says, first of all, you need to do is you need to put on the belt of what? What's the T word? Truth. It begins with T and ends with R-U-T-H. What is it? Truth. 
truth. You put on the belt of truth. Truth holds everything together. And the only truth we have in this world is found where? In the Word of God. And if you're a believer, you know that. If you're not a believer, you're skeptical to that. Believers, he puts it in your heart to know it. I I ain't a real intellectual person. Did you all know that? (laughs) I have conversations with intellectual people, and they're like, well, blah, 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 the botanist, you know, and they're trying to tell me. I said, look, man, just like the Bible says, one day I thought it was foolishness just like you. But when I gave my life to Christ, he gave me the desire and ability to believe that what his word said was the final authority, and I could bank on it. And I said, I, I can only believe this because God gave me the ability to believe it. You can't believe it. You just told me you couldn't believe it. You told me it's foolishness. You told me you couldn't believe it. You can't believe it until God gives you the ability to believe it. But boy, if that's you sitting here today and God gives you the ability to believe it, believe it. Amen. Would anybody agree on that? When God gives you the ability to believe it, believe it. Yeah. Gary, we ain't got to be sharpest marbles in the box, do we? No, man, he gives us the ability to believe it. And it's like, okay. <laughs> At first it was like, well, I don't know, this isn't the way I was taught in my accounting degree. <laughs> this isn't what I was taught all through life. This isn't what, I, God, I'm just going to believe you. I don't know how it's going to work, but I believe you. And then I started believing him and watching it work. Then it was like, okay, God, I still got some doubts, but I'm walking in it, and I'm still not positive it's going to work, but I kind of am. And then it keeps working, and now it's like, God, I can't wait to see how you're going to work this out. How many of y'all want to be there, are there, need to be there? I don't know how you're going to work it out, but I'm positive you're going to. Isn't that where we got to be? Is that where you were with your truck? Dude, when you, I wish Gavin was here right now. Gavin's watching online right now. But, um, man, when you told me first, oh, yeah, we got 25000 for a truck that's going to pull a big trailer. We just bought the big trailer first. I'm like, you should have bought the truck first. <laughs> but God provided the trailer. Uh, I could just see you and all your kids loaded up like a mule train pulling that trailer <laughs> all around. And then twenty five grand for a truck. We were just shopping for my son for a truck. I'm like, you're not even going to find an F-150 for twenty five grand, man. It's like, but you believe that's what God gave you. And you stayed, and now you get to pick up this fully Haitian truck down in Miami tomorrow that's going to meet your needs, man. Praise God. I don't know how you're going to do it, God. Spencer, you ever have anything? I don't know how you're going to do it, God, but I know you're going to do it. I don't even know what you're going to do, but I know you're going to do it, and I'm going to be stoked about it. Isn't that where we're supposed to be in all of this? So he says, put on the belt of truth. Commit to the fact that you are going to live according to the truth. So get in the bucket and say, I am going to live by God's truth today. I'm going to live by God's. Make a commitment. If you don't make a commitment, are you going to succeed? No. Hey, Chuck, I'm picking on you again. What was Jerry Lopez's famous statement at Pipeline? He who hesitates is lost. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, is it not when you're dropping in on something that's beyond vertical, that's bone crushing, it's got reef right there, you think you got to make a commitment? Yeah. And everything in life you're going to, man, you got to make a commitment. And we've got to make a commitment to live by the truth. That's taking your tunic and, and quit running and playing in a dress and just, you tuck it up underneath and you are now prepared to fight. And when you're prepared to fight, Now the enemy sees you're prepared to fight. And what do you think he's going to do back, Chris? He's going to, oh, you think you're going to fight. All right, yeah, buddy, come on. Come on. 
And he sees this one leg out. So, dude, he's going to come in head first right there looking for it. And you better get that leg in. That's why you get in the Word of God. So God says, dude, you got a finger out there, and the finger's fixing to get crushed. Get in. The Word of God tells us, man, what we need, to, the commitment to the truth. How are you going to live, make a commitment to truth if you don't know the truth? You've got to be committed to the truth. So that's the belt of, of truth that we put on. And we make the commitment. We learned that last week. So for this, for the ones that weren't here last week. But the next part was the the breastplate of righteousness. What that represents is not just making a commitment, but how many of y'all made a commitment and you backed out on that commitment? Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to read the Bible through in a whole year. (laughs) And you get three days behind you quit. I'm going to do this. How many of y'all made commitments, spiritual commitments, and you reneged and backed out? Yeah, dude, everybody's done that. So what you do is when you find yourself not committed to the truth, you find yourself out of the bucket, what do you got to do? Get back in and say, oh, I'm committing to it. An hour later, here you are, another day. Oh, my goodness. Does God care how many times you commit to living in the truth? No, he wants you to commit. The devil wants you to think, oh, you already you lied to God, you scumbag. Dude, Spencer, you ever do that? You ever lie to God? I'm doing this, and then you find yourself, oh, dang, I didn't do that. Well, it's too late now. Isn't that how we act sometimes? As soon as you find yourself not in the commitment you made to live in the truth, where should you go? Back in the commitment. Oh, my goodness, I'm going to be in trouble. Get in this commitment. Not from God spanking you, but from the enemy attacking you. Get back in and live according to the truth. Make that commitment and know that And then you put on the breastplate of righteousness. And again, we talked last week, that breastplate covers from here to here. It covers your guts and your heart. You know what that represents? It represents your feelings and your desires. I am Sam. Oh, I'm going to live for Jesus today. All right? And that's good. And you look like someone's just living for Jesus today. All right? But oh, that person I met today, they give me some bad feelings. And I think I'd like to show them a lesson. I'd like to give them peace of my mind I can't afford to lose. You ever been there? You ever been there? Your feelings change. Oh, oh no holds barred. I'm going to do what I want to do right now. Forget God. I'll jump back in the bucket as soon as I take care of that person. Anybody been there? Yeah. When I passed the car this morning on Bell Avenue with the coexist sticker, they had a coexist sticker, and I was just thinking, dude, <laughs> All right, let's see how coexist you are, man. You, you know the C is going to eat everything else. They got coexist there. I passed them. It was a dotted line. But they did not want to coexist with me in front of them. <laughs> they honked at me, but him and I'm like, what? Wait. You know what I wanted to do? When we stopped at a stop sign, I wanted to get out and be the parent and say, I'll have you know I passed on a dotted line. It was legal, and I just didn't want to be behind you. And, but you know what? That would have been wrong. My emotions, because I was praying for y'all. I was praying for this message. Oh, dear God, fill me with your spirit. And then all of a sudden, coexist Halloween stickers right in front of me, man. I'm just like, whoo, and, and I want to teach them a lesson. That's how quick it can change. So when you find yourself there, what do you got to do? You jump back in the bucket. So I decided to jump back in the bucket. I wouldn't say anything to him. I just sped off. I was like... <laughs> Because they might take whatever I say the wrong way after that. But so again, you make the commitment to follow the truth. That wasn't y'all coming from Fort Pierce, was it? 
All right. You didn't have hot. No, you got that yellow truck. I, I know y'all now, but yeah. Anyways, I'm not going any further with that. I had so many things going through my head and justifications for it. Y'all good at justifying why you did the unchristian thing that you shouldn't have done? And God would like, yes, that's righteous indignation. It's like, no, it's pride. Get out of here. <laughs> so we make a commitment to live by the truth. We then live by the truth. Keep that commitment. Even when our emotions, our feelings want us to do something else or our heart, our desires want us to do something else. We say, I made this commitment to God. I'm keeping this commitment to God. Amen? You keep it. And if you found that you didn't get back in it, it's never too late. And that is one of the things the enemy wants to do. Oh, you've already blown it. You might as well blow it all the way now. <laughs> you've already done Oh, God doesn't want you back. Does God want you back in that bucket? When does God want you back in that bucket? As soon as possible, because this is where his might is, and this is where your protection is. So gird your loins with the truth. Put on the belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness, and when your emotions, your feelings, and your desires contradict God's word, you go with God's word when you're in the bucket. Otherwise, you just got out of the bucket again. And then he said, the last thing we learned last week was he said, have the gospel of peace, the shoes on. Paul looked down at the Roman soldier, and he saw some sandals with spikes on the bottom. And those spikes not only protected the top, you know, they had spikes on and they had leather. It protected the feet, but it gave the soldier traction. And, and he says this, this traction is knowing that we're on God's side. It's the gospel of peace. Before you got born again, were you at peace with God? No, in fact, the book of, of Romans says you were an enemy to God. If you are not born again, he says in Romans 6, you're an enemy to God. That's why you got to be born again. So he gives you a new nature. He chooses you. He picks you. He, he purchases you. He protects you. But prior to that, you're an enemy to God. And, 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 and so Satan would love nothing more than in the middle of a battle say, see, you're not really God's kid. Brandon, you ever have the devil do that? Oh, look what he did, man. Hey, but here, here's a thought, Brandon. Can you ever disappoint God? And listen carefully. What is disappointment? If MJ disappoints you, it's because she did something. What are you shaking your head for? You're, no, if, if, if someone ever disappoints you, it's because they did something you never dreamed they would do, right? You're like, oh, I can't believe they did that. Can you ever do anything God didn't dream you'd do? No. In fact, when he saved you, he already knew you would do that. God looks at the finished product because in the end, who are you going to be like? God. And that don't mean he ain't going to give you a spanking. That don't mean he ain't going to let the devil kick your tail for a little bit to get you back in the bucket. It doesn't mean that you can do whatever you want. But the fact is, is you became God's child. How long are you going to become his child? And who, he, he, is there anything you can do? Chris, is there anything you can, all right, let's just say Kevin, during one of those emotional moments where he's not eating. <laughs> is there anything Kevin can do to not become God, to not be God's child ever again? No. This is what the traction is. Because of the gospel, we have peace. We can dig in and we can know that we're always God's child. None of that's ever going to change. And whose team wins? God's team wins. So you are on the winning team once you get there. How many of y'all, would that give you some traction? To know you're on God's team that can't change and we win? I was picking on you, Stephen, a minute ago with the Yankees. Do you have... Now, you're kind of more of a Mets fan, too, but... Uh, I sensed from your thing you were, you know, talking a little bit about the Yankees. Would you like to see the Yankees win? 
Okay, yeah. Yeah, and that's as much as you can carnally hope for, okay? Because they, they got spanked last night. What, five nothing, dude? They can't even score, and they have, like, the, the guy setting home run records and whatnot. He ain't getting Little League fastballs no more. That's just, but anyways. But what if somebody had a crystal ball? What if you had a crystal ball, and you knew that the Yankees were going to come back? Because, you know, all these big contracts cost a lot of money, Right? And, and a sweep costs a lot of money. If you can, like, stretch it out to seven games, dude, you can make more money, right? And pay all them contracts and all the sponsors. All the, and, and don't tell me pro sports isn't fixed, all right? But I'm just saying, if you could stretch it out to seven games and you knew the Yankees were going to come back and win the next four games, would you have answered differently? Well, today I hope they win. <laughs> it's like, no, you have confidence. No, the Yankees are going to win. And what would all of us say if we said, if he came back and said, Yankees are going to win the next four games, and they're going to win the World Series because you knew that too. What would y'all what would, what would say to this delusional person if when the, we would think you're delusional, right? There's no way the Yankees are going to win. They're down four, three to nothing right now, three games to none, right? And, well, I just hope they'll win this next game so we can have another game, right? But if you know they're going to win, would you have a lot more confidence? What if you knew for sure, and you were walking around strutting around all the Astro fans or, or anti, really there's more anti-Yankee fans than, than anything. That's what it really is. You know, would you be strutting around and, and be saying, no, the Yankees are going to win. Yankees are going to win. And what would the world think of you if you said the Yankees were going to win the World Series? You're nuts. You're nuts. Look at the odds. They're down three to nothing. They haven't even scored any runs. They've been horrible. And now they're down to garbage pitchers, whatever. I mean, I don't know what they are, but anyways, you would think they're nuts. Do you know that's how the world looks at us, y'all? We're telling them we win. The world says, oh, no, y'all are down too far. But the Word of God tells us we win. And in that, we can have confidence do you think that there's some people who, I'm not a betting man, because I don't think that's really what God wants me to do with what resources he gives me, since I don't know the future. But if someone did know the future and knew the Yankees were going to World Series, think they could make a lot of money on a little bit of money in the betting world? Oh, no, no, I, no, that's a cool guy. Yeah, yeah, so, so no, yeah, you're, that's why you're hoping tonight they win, right? But, but. No, I didn't know. I saw that picture of that. But could somebody make a lot of money if they knew the Yankees were going to win because the whole world's betting against them? Point is, I'm not telling you all bet for the Yankees or anything like that, but what I'm saying is, look how the win. The world says we're losers, don't they? And they say they're winners. But we know we're winners, and those without Christ are losers. And instead of making fun and taking advantage, of, instead of being prideful and like, oh, no, I'm going to win and show you. And that's not what it's about. Because this is life and death losing. When you lose in life here, you spend eternity in hell. And when you read, even Chuck, we've been reading in, in Revelation, man, of, of what's going on in the tribulation. We wouldn't want our worst. We won't want to see anybody go through that. Nobody. Man, at all. So in this, the traction we have is we know that we win. Amen? You make a commitment to... You make a commitment to live by the truth. You keep that commitment regardless of what your feelings and your, and your desires want. And you, make, and you know, you know in your head, you see what's protected? Your feelings, 
your desires, and your thoughts. You see where the battle is? In fact, the battleground between God and the devil is your mind. That's why in, 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 in Romans, he says to renew your mind because that's where the battleground is. Any one of those can change your will, and when you got your heart set on something, that's what you're going to do. So that's what we learned last week of what we've got to do at this point. So we stay in it. We get in the bucket. We stay in the bucket no matter what, and we dig in. We dig in at this point. Now we see the rest of it, all right? And uh, make a commitment, uh, live in the bucket. In the bucket. Here we are. We're in the bucket. Hey, so uh, Skylar, in the bucket. We're in the bucket, man. Can we just like, oh, la, 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 everything's good? Do you ever get pelted in the bucket when you're in the bucket with God? You better believe you're going to get pelted. Dude, I'm not talking about like, you're getting pelted. Anybody been pelted in the bucket for God? You got pelted? <clears throat> yeah, that's the enemy, and it's part of God's plan. Look at this. Um, the shield of faith is what he tells us next. So while you were getting pelted, we got to use our protection. If you're getting pelted, any of y'all ever play paintball? Paintball people? Yeah, you. Uh, yeah, dude. Uh, Emily? Oh, my goodness. My son played paintball, and my son convinced Emily... He convinced her when she was, she was younger and wanted to do anything because her older brother wanted her to do. She trusted him. And, well, I don't know if it's trust or just stupidity, but it was love, wasn't it? It was love, right? And he had you put on a helmet, a little thing, and he said, just stand there, and I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> and what did you do? Yeah, you were right there. And where did he shoot you? Did he shoot you where your arm was? No, dude. You got big welts right here, dude. You got pelted. The one place you had no armor, you got pelted. Did it hurt? Yeah, for a while, and you had reminders of it and everything. And, and so if you had protection and didn't use it, that would not be wise. So understand, while you're in the bucket, he says you got three pieces of protection while you're in the bucket. You don't have to just stand there and get pelted. The very first thing you have is a shield of faith. Put that shield of faith up. And so look at the scripture. We'll look at this. He said, in all circumstances. So all circumstances. When do we do this? All circumstances, when you're in the bucket. So if he says, in all circumstances, how often are you going to get pelted in the bucket? <laughs> you're going to get pelted in the bucket all the time. Hey, you know what some people do when you get, according to uh, Jesus's parable about the sower, when you get pelted in the bucket and it starts getting too rough, you know what a lot of people do? They walk out. I ain't doing that no more. I'm not looking. And you know what it says? Those people were never really saved. They weren't saved and lost it. They just never were saved. Life got too rough and they said, I ain't doing this because all that matters is right here. But what matters is the next life. You're going to be there a whole lot longer. And so if you're saved, you're always coming back to the bucket. You're always going to go back to the bucket. You're going to be back in the bucket. And as soon as you get back in the bucket, you're going to get what, Kevin? Pelted. Everybody just say that with it, like you've been pelted. On the count of three, everybody say, pelted. Think back of last time you got pelted. I mean, have you ever been there? I didn't deserve this. Anybody remember? I didn't, man, I tried to follow God, and I got one, two, three, pelted, yeah. Any of y'all ever been pelted? Yeah, that's what I feel like even the last couple of weeks. I'm like, God, really? You used to let me preach this message all in one setting, and I just had to get pelted for a week. And you're like, no, I want you to split this all up. But the pelting is there by my design to make your faith stronger. I know more about this armor intimately now through preaching it to you guys this time than I ever knew. 
Oh, I could do a youth conference and blah, blah, blah. And it, oh, that was great. And they could have pictures. And Dude, I think I really, for the first time in my life at 60 years old, know how to actually use this armor. And I want you to learn to use it. I want you to be encouraged when you're getting pelted. I know, man, I have... I got, I got some, there's some families, numerous families in this church right now. I'm not picking on anybody, not telling you who they are. Whatever. I know there's some families that have gone to the next level of Christ and they are getting pelted. And some of them, man, I wanted them to be here today. It's like, man, you got to be here. I want to encourage you when you're being pelted. You got to be with God's people, seeing life from God's perspective. That's where you need to be when the devil fights the hardest to have you not here. That's when you need to be here the most. Man, you're getting pelted, and I know you're getting pelted, but man, this is where you find strength, where you find encouragement. Hearing what God has done in everybody else, like, because you listen to what he did in a lot of people's lives, like, oh, well, we got pelted, we got pelted. Then God came through. He came through from the beginning, but in this, he said, in all circumstances, if it's all certain, how often are you going to get pelted, Kristen? Yeah, pretty, pretty frequently. Well, why the heck do I want to do that? I'm getting out of this bucket. I'm going to find another religion. I'm going to go find another denom- I'm going to go find another thing. That may be good while you're here on this planet, but it's going to be horrible when you're not. You can find all kinds of religions and theologies that don't get you pelted while you're, while you're here on this planet. In fact, man keeps coming up with them. But the one true God who saves you through Jesus Christ, says, there's, you walk in your wealth, you're going to have warfare. In all circumstances, he says, take up the shield. And what is this shield made of, according to this? The shield of what? Faith. Faith. Just like I told, I tell the intellectual people trying to argue with me, I'm like, dude, I didn't believe this until God gave me the desire and ability to believe it. What did God give me? He gave me faith. How many of y'all know God? How many of y'all can say, God gave me faith? I'm believing things that I thought were ridiculous. Dude, I can even remember as a kid, like, I, I, right out of in, high, in college somewhere, I was in New York City. <laughs> now, I wasn't buying salsa. All right, y'all remember that commercial? But New York City, that's where it's my... But, uh, dude, when I drove to New York City, man, I had my 1977 yellow Dodge Power Wagon that was jacked up seven inches. I had a rebel flag in the back window and an axe handle there because that's just how we did things here back in the day. I'm just saying, I'll never forget when I drove across the George Washington Bridge and all them little kids jumped on my truck on the hood. I didn't know they wanted to wash my windows. <laughs> and that was no, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, you know. And I mean, I was a fish out of water in all of this. But I happen to know some kids that went to college with me, and they took me to New York City, man. And, and we didn't even get there till like 10 o'clock at night. They're like, yeah, you don't get there early. I'm like, dude, I'm going to bed at 10. They're like, no, you're just going out. We go out there, and I'm the typical person looking up, and I'll never forget going by an empty lot in New York City, and there were some young lifers, or one of them little Christian groups. And I'll never forget, they were trying to share me the gospel with me. And like, oh, no, I'm good. I'm Catholic. I'm this. I'm that. I'm good. I got to deal with God. I'm like, I'd never been born again. I could have said I'm Baptist. I'm Episcopal. I had religion. I had a deal, I thought, with God. They were trying to share the gospel with me. And I said, man, I'll never forget walking away, telling the people I'm walking with, those guys are ridiculous. I'd never find myself doing that, trying to push that on people. <laughs> now look at me. I'm just, I ain't trying to push it on you, dude. I just know what I got, and I want y'all to have it. I'm one beggar trying to show another beggar how to get a piece of bread. Amen? I can just remember being here saying, this is ridiculous. 
what, the next minute, now it's not ridiculous. You know what the difference is? I have faith now. And faith comes from God. Faith comes from God. Faith comes from, uh, the, the faith comes from God and faith comes from hearing the word of God. That's where you get the faith from. So here's my faith. I'm in here. So the first part of faith is I get saved, right? There's salvation. In Revelation, we're studying again, looking at all the wrath going on in chapter 6, 7, all the way to 19. There's going to be all this wrath going on. Am I going to have to worry about this wrath? No, Ann, am I going to have to worry about the wrath of God? Do I have to face the wrath of God one day? No, because Jesus took all that wrath to the cross for me. I'm free. I'm saved. I don't have to deal with it. I'm his child. I'm his child forever. I'm saved. So I don't have to worry about any of that. So first of all, I've got to believe that. Second thing is, after salvation, there's a process called sanctification. That's the part we don't like. How many of y'all would really like, once he's saved, he just take you to heaven right away? Wouldn't that be cool? Don't go, I'll go through none of this junk. Just go right to heaven. MJ, wouldn't that be awesome? But guess what, man? Who led you to Christ? Probably somebody who was already saved, right? So that's why he leaves us here. Because most everybody gets saved because somebody who's saved leads him to Christ. And so that's what this process of sanctification. We have salvation, so we're set for life, dude. We're set. We're set for eternity. We have sanctification, which that's where we're getting pelted. We're not getting pelted because God wants to just see how tough we are. God wants to, you know, give us a hard time. That's not why we're getting pelted. You're standing up here, paintball, boop, 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 getting pelted. Frozen paintballs. Were y'all ever unscrupulous to freeze paintballs and shoot them up? Oh, yeah, I figured y'all were. Yeah. And then you know what the next generation came up with? Airsoft. (laughs) Yeah. Not frozen paintballs, dude. And, you know, my generation, it was China berries in a slingshot, brother. But I'm just saying, if if you're getting pelted, dude, it's God's design. Is it God's design for you to stand there and continually be pelted? No, what's he want you to do? Zoop, pull up the shield. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. No, I've been saved. No, this is a process of sanctification. And no, what comes after sanctification, y'all? Glorification. When you die, will there be any more pelting? No. So what do y'all keep trying to take all these drugs and stay on this planet for? I'm just saying. (laughs) Dude, unplug me. I'm just saying. When I'm done here, I got glorification. I'm going to heaven, and I'm going to be perfect. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? And everybody there is perfect, and God is perfect. What am I doing trying to stay here? Emily's trying to get me to eat healthy. It's like, I'm going to get to heaven, and I'm going to say, whoa, this is awesome. I wish I could have come here sooner. And God said, well, if you didn't listen to her, man, you could have been here a while ago. (laughs) Thinking about perspective, y'all. And again, I'm not telling you I live unhealthy because we're supposed to do the best we can with what we got, right? But but in reality, man, that's it. That's that's my shield of faith. I got saved. I know what, Gary, did you get saved? You know what you used to be? Now you know what he used to be? Yeah, and you still stayed with him, man. I'm just saying, man, you got saved. Man, you're in the middle of it. He's trying to make you look more like him. He's trying to get glory out of the fact of looking at a changed life. And people are looking, saying, wow, how come you just didn't beat the snot out of that person? How come you're acting different? How come you're doing this? How can this makes no sense? Hey, you guys are permanent missionaries in Haiti, right? Did you have anybody in your family say, you're an idiot? This makes no sense. 
taking my grandbabies and no, I'm just saying to do all this. When you follow God, when you have faith, what was it that, that Noah meme, man? You know, faith makes you look pretty stupid until it starts to rain. <laughs> I'm just saying, 120 years, a guy's building a boat, and they're like, you're an idiot. A boat, it has never rained. It's going to do what? It doesn't do that. All I know is it did, and he was glad he built a boat. Faith. Faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. A commitment to the, to the word of God. All circumstances, take up the shield of faith. So you're in the bucket. Hey, Skylar, you're getting pelted. Do you just sit there and take it like a man? You're a big target. Well, I'm a big target too. We just got different size, shape targets, all right? But, but dude, do you just sit there and take it? Oh, is that what God wants us to do? Take it. Oh, 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 oh. Is that what's planned? No, that'd be pretty stupid if we got armor. He says, here's your shield, faith. Know that all things work together for good that love God and are called according to his purpose. And the purpose is that we become more like him and he gets glory. Amen? Take up the shield and watch it bounce off. Now, the shield they used in this, check this out. This is pretty cool. This is why you need to be in church. Not this church, other church. Well, I'm just saying this is why you need a fellowship of believers that are seeing life from God's perspective to help you with this. The shield they had was some people say it was like it was like two foot by four foot, two and a half feet by four and a half, three by five. Can you imagine carrying a three a quarter inch piece of plywood, three and a half feet or three feet by five feet? Can you imagine carrying that around? And they were shorter and smaller than us, even me, in that day. And then they took that wood, it was a wood shield, and then they put a thick piece of leather and they would soak the leather in water. Can you imagine how heavy that shield is? They would be holding on to that shield, carrying it, you know, when they went into battle. But the shield was made. In, so what would happen is you got the shield, all right? And, and in the shield is that when they pulled the shield up, you could totally hide behind the shield. That's what God wants us to do with faith. The enemy would be taking arrows and they would put material on them, soak them in pitch or tar, light them on fire light them on fire, and they would shoot them. And so if imagine getting hit with an arrow. That's bad enough, right? Oh, dude, I mean, bow hunters, you ever see something bleed out? Yeah, you get hit by an arrow. But can you imagine a flaming arrow? And as soon as it hits you, it splatters and catches everything else on fire. Well, they had a shield. And it would hit that wet leather, it would actually extinguish it. So you want to be behind a shield or not behind a shield? That's the difference of having faith and not having faith. Go do it on your own without faith. You need faith. And they made the shields in such a way where those shields would actually lock together. You get that? It would lock together. How many of y'all would rather be behind one shield or would you rather be behind 100 shields? Wouldn't that be awesome having 100 shields all lined up? Man, I was going to go to Home Depot and buy this and let y'all all line up, but I didn't have the money, so we're not, you just have to imagine it. But <laughs> I didn't know where to get that much leather either, but... <laughs> Fake leather now, right? Leather-like, is that what they call it on Amazon? But anyways, I don't think that works the same way. But can you imagine having 100 shields walking into battle? You know what? Maybe you're too tired to carry your shields sometime. That's why you hang out with people who have their shield up. You know? We weren't meant to do this alone. We need each other, man. And there's sometimes where your, my shield ain't real strong and I need your shield. But man, if we've got our shields and we use it and we stand behind and we walk behind it, when the devil fires those fiery darts at us, 
man, when he fires those darts at us, we can extinguish it with faith. He says, man, you're not a child of God. Your mother-in-law told you that, right? No, I'm just not so here. I'm not being, but you know, you're not a child. You, you, you tell yourself that or whatever. All these different things. Well, this isn't going to work if I do it God's way. Oh, this, I can't handle it anymore. I just keep getting pelted and it's, and it's done. I give up. I quit. You get back in the word of God. And the word of God is where you get faith to know that God's plan is not going to change. You have salvation. You have sanctification. And praise God one day, if Emily doesn't get a hold of your diet, you'll have glorification. No, I'm messing with you. But it, think about it. Isn't that what the elites of the world want to do? They want to live forever? How, how many famous people are frozen and they want to be brought back to life once they, you know, somebody discovers how to do it? A way to live forever. I got a way to live forever. It's Jesus. Amen. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. But you've got, but you've got to know the word of God. And what that means is while you're in there and you're getting pelted, you read the word of God. And, and it doesn't even matter where you read the word of God. You just start reading and let the Holy Spirit take it and go. Sometimes that's what the devil wants to say. Oh, you can't use that show because you don't know where to go. You're not educated enough. You don't even know what to read. Just open it up and let God direct it. You have the Holy Spirit of God living inside you. Let him direct where you're supposed to read. And it'll blow you away, the things he will show you. So many times I have people call me and say, man, I read, I couldn't believe how relevant scripture was to my life today. Amen? You ever had that moment? Yeah. I had probably five or six or seven or eight or nine or ten of y'all text me this week. Guess what God did? And I'm like, yeah, and we're surprised every time because it's so exciting to see how relevant it is. But it comes from Scripture. Amen? So all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts out. Let me tell you where this is going to go. We're going to end. I'm not going to go into detail about these next, but I think we're supposed to look at the faith, our faith. Faith is I'm going to do it God's way or I'm not going to do it God's way. Which, by the way... If we decide we're not going to do it God's way, what's that three-letter word that begins with S and ends with I-N? What is it called if you don't? Yeah. If you don't do it God's way in faith, you're saying God's way isn't going to work. God's way is not the way. I, 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 oh, yes, I believe God, but you know what? In this situation, I'm doing it my way. That's sin. And, and guess what? It degrades God. <laughs> is God's name being worth more? when you do it his way or when you don't do it his way. You're defacing his name. You know what? Remember the commandments? The very first commandment they got was, oh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Love him with everything. And then he says, in the second one, he says, but listen, man, um, I want you to not make any graven image of me. Don't make any carved images of me. Because I don't want you to worship an image. I want you to worship my character, and I'm going to reveal who I am through my word. And then, you know, the next one he said, he said, don't take my name in vain. How many of y'all agree with that? Don't take my name in vain. Uh, yeah. But what does that mean? You know what the word vain means? It means worthless. When I first got saved, I thought that meant, oh, I don't use that word for God's last name anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, God, you know, I don't, I don't use that word. That's taking it in vain. That is. But vanity means worthless. So every time we act in such a way that we make God's name worth less. We've taken his name in vain. You get that? Every time we have faith 
and we do it God's way, man, we make God's name worth more. You know, we're going to win. If you really knew the Yankees were going to win and you stood in here and gave, at the very end, everybody, how did you know? Well, I just knew. But that's our faith. Our faith knows, and we stay in the bucket. We have the shield, and we make God's name worth more. Whole beginning of our service, y'all praising God for what he's done. That made God's name worth more, didn't it? Well, I didn't really believe God in this, so I went and did it my way, and, well, I got a less than stellar result, so praise God. <laughs> what? You just made his name worth less. Every time we don't stand in faith, we stand in sin. And we need to repent, and we need to get back in the bucket and say, God, I, want to make, I know that you win. I want to make your name worth more in this. And we do it his way. Not only does it extinguish and, and, and we survive the pelting, but the people notice, and God's name is more valuable to the people in this world. That's why God allowed it. So super quick, let me hit these others so you know where we're going in the next two weeks. Uh, he said, next, what you're going to do is put on the helmet of salvation. So it's great to have this, right? But the, our, the enemy used to have a big broadsword, like a big four-foot broadsword, and they would come by on their horses while the guys were shooting arrows, and they'd come by on their horses, and they would start swinging it and hit people in the head. If you're going to get hit in the head, Phil, what do you want? I want a helmet. <laughs> yeah, and I want a helmet that works, right? He says, the helmet of salvation. And the helmet of salvation is knowing, again, that you are saved, knowing that you're a child of God, knowing that it's coming by God's design. It's fighting. Look at this. We must deflect doubt and discouragement. That's what, that, that's what happens in the helmet. While we're in the bucket and you're getting pelted, why me? We're always getting pelted. We're famous for getting pelted. We always get pelted. How many of y'all can identify with that? You go through seasons, it's like, man, everything, anytime something bad, it's us. We're Dude, what the enemy gets us doing is he gets us discouraged. When you get discouraged, you start doubting God. When you start doubting God, you get discouraged. When you get discouraged, you start doubting God. When you start doubting God, you get, help me out, discouraged. When you get discouraged, you start doubting God. When you get doubt, start doubting God, you get, yes, you see the circle? And we'll talk more about this next week, but the fact is, is that faith, again, faith, is, by, by reading the Word of God, you're able to deflect doubt and discouragement. Hey, y'all ever flush a toilet and watch it? I'm not talking about what's in it. I'm just saying, you ever, go flush a clean toilet right there afterwards. I should have cleared that up. I'm just saying, you ever, you ever flush a toilet? Yeah, that's, in fact, every time you get discouraged, and you start doubting the Word of God. And that doubt leads to more discouragement. I want you to go to the toilet. <laughs> throw something in there. <laughs> Peace talk, throw something. Whatever, flush it. And understand that's the cycle you're going through right now. And the devil would not love nothing more than to flush your faith. But don't worry, God's got the drain plugged up and he's bringing it back up again. But <laughs> it doesn't get flushed eternally. But I'm just saying in your mind, how many of y'all been in that cycle? You know what I'm saying? You ever been there? We call it depression. Oh, what's the world's solution for that? Oh, I have a drug. <laughs> I have some pills. I have something that insurance will pay for and we can get rich off of. That's the world's solution. You know what God's solution is? Is faith. 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 You got to have the shield. You got to have the helmet to protect your head. 
Look what he says. He just says, take the helmet of salvation. Salvation, you know. You know that as soon as you start doubting God, you're going to get discouraged. So you quit doubting God. You read God's word and let God's word change you and encourage you. Last but not least, we'll talk more about that next week. But the last thing is the sword of the spirit. We got to do something. Um, the best way to fight Satan, yeah, again, here's theology these days. Listen, this is kind of theology in a lot of ways. Oh, I'm being attacked by the devil and I need to be delivered. Anybody heard that? I need to be delivered. So you know what that means? There's nothing I can do right now until I'm delivered. So guess what? I'll just do what I'm doing. And, and when God wants to deliver me, he can deliver me. In other words, it's not on me. It's on God. He's got to deliver me. And when I get delivered, I'll, I'll change. When, and then Satan's got you right where he wants you. God says you've already been delivered. No temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But God's faithful will not allow you to be tempted above the tree. You've already been delivered when you got saved. The devil can't make you do anything. You just got to get back in the bucket and do things God's way. You make a commitment to living according to the truth. You, you fight off your feelings and your emotions and your thoughts and you dig in. You apply this armor. You put up the shield of faith and, and know that you, God's plan hasn't changed for you. You break out, you got the helmet to protect your head, and you got the sword of the spirit, which means you do something. It's offensive and defensive. Keone, man, he, he watched pirate movies, right? He puts on little pirate plays. And how many of y'all like swashbuckling? Anybody like swashbuckling movies? Let me ask you, the, the, the sword they're using, isn't a big four-foot sword where they're just taking people's heads off, right? It's a pretty, I mean, that, what would happen? Earl Flynn, y'all remember him back in the day? All right, how about Captain Jack Sparrow? How about we'll just go with modern, right? I mean, it never dies. You keep bringing the sword back, right? Are they just swinging it, trying to knock people's heads off? Hey, bro, is that what they're doing with the sword? No. It's like, oh, oh, I don't even understand how they're doing it, dude. I'm just thinking, I like Indiana Jones. The dude, remember the dude, bro? Broke out some knife or something. What Indian Jones? <laughs> I, think, I think that's kind of what we're supposed to do with the Word of God. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not a sword fighter with him, but he says the Word of God. The Word of God is more like a cannon than a sword, actually. You know, the enemy comes out, oh, oh tries to fight. Do We knock it out with the Word. It's offensive and defensive, but it all comes down, This all this armor. We'll cover these last two next week. But all of these come down to the fact that you've got to know God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you don't know God's word, you're going to be a horrible fighter. Let me share this with you in this. This book is an Islamic book. Uh, God put on my heart to bring it. I don't want you to get this book. don't want you to really even know much about this book. But in fact, it took me months to actually get it. I don't know if they had to approve me getting it or what. But I got it on Amazon back in the day a long time ago because I was being faced with a lot of Islamic people back in the Obama days. Back in the Obama days, Islam was, was being very deceptive and they were, there was a lot of things going on. And they were infiltrating every part of our government. And there was a lot of things. Imams would come on and talk on Larry King and go, 
oh, no, we're peaceful religion. And people say, oh, yeah, in Minnesota, I have a, a peaceful uh, Islamic family that just moved in, and they're more loving than the Christians. And, you know, they're not, uh, they're, they're, they're a religion of peace and all these different things. And I started studying Islam. Actually, I've been, I've been involved in, I met Islam first in Nigeria back in the early 90s and found out it was the most selfish, horrible religion that there was, unless you're a man and you're in charge. So I started hearing all these contradictions, and it was like, all right, so talk to me about Islam here. Let me look into this, and I talked to me and said, well, just get this book, The Reliance of the Traveler. If I was in a brand new convert, or if I was going to be a dedicated Muslim right now, this is the book I would get. So in this book, if I wanted to know, hmm, if I move into a new neighborhood, and I'm the first person to move into this neighborhood, and we know the goal is ultimately to have Sharia law in everywhere, um, how should I act? And it says, oh, you should act very peaceful, and well, is it okay to lie to them as to what the end result is? And you would look in this book, and you would say, oh, yeah, 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 it, you know what? It's not only okay for me to lie to an infidel, to somebody who doesn't, is not Islamic, it's not only okay for me to lie, I'm required to lie to them. So, so and, and in a moral society like we sort of have, we can't even understand that. So I'm an imam, and I go on, and I meet with some pastors, and they ask me questions. They ask me questions, and, 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 and I tell them the end product, you know, then they might try to get rid of us. So not only, the, the goal is to further Sharia law. That is the goal of Islam, no matter how long it takes, is to have Sharia law everywhere, period. That is the goal, I guarantee you. I, by their own religion, by everything. But whatever it takes right now to get there is what it is. So if I go and meet with pastors and ask me questions, it is not only okay for me to lie, but I'm actually required to lie and say, oh, no, here it is. You know why I can lie to you if I'm, if I'm Islamic and you're not? Because you don't count. You don't matter. In fact, ultimately, you're going to have a choice. When you run out of money, you run out of everything. You have a choice when we conquer you to become Islamic or you die. That's really the choice. How do I know that? It's in this book. Look, you, and if you want to borrow it, you want to look at it, I don't know what you're going to say, but it's full. This is bigger than the Bible, and this is just the final book, The Reliance of the Traveler. Everything I want to know about being a modern Muslim right now, of how I'm supposed to act and what I'm supposed to do, I can look up, and here's the official rule book. Do you know how dedicated Islamic people are to this book? Dude, they know this book cover to cover. They know the rules in it. They know all the details of it. And it's for a lie. It's for a cult. If they can be that dedicated to a cult, how dedicated should we be to the truth? We have the Word of God. And again, I hit it last week, man. I can't tell you what it's going to come down to in the armor of God is knowing the word of God and praying after you have that relationship with him. Man, I wish I would still have it. Bill Cuff, he's not here. He could tell me, but he did look up how many words there were. And there's less words than the average big novel. Those big novels that that dude writes that you guys have. Dude, you can read the word of God. Read the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you're going to be committed to the truth, you've got to be a student of the truth. You've got to know what the truth is. 
If, if the truth is what's going to rescue you, if you got to go if fight against your own emotions and against your own desires and against your own thoughts, how are you going to do it if you don't know what the truth is? If you're going you're gonna to dig in and have traction to stand against a lie, how are you going to do it without knowing what the truth is? If you're going to fight discouragement and fight doubt, remember the toilet? Shh. You're going to fight that. How are you going to do it without knowing the Word of God? So the key in all of it is sometimes, man, you got to take a Bible bath. You just got to sit down and read. Man, I, the last church I was at, this might be, uh, it was a while ago, but I had an office. They actually had a window, a little window, Chuck. <laughs> but I, <clears throat> After a little while, they told me, well, you're really supposed to be sitting in that office from 8.30 to 4.30 every day, unless we go out to get some lunch, and then we can get fat together and, you know, fellowship. But uh, we were supposed to be in the office, and there, dude, Kevin, I couldn't handle it. You know what I do halfway through the day sometimes? Over where my truck was, there was a tree. <laughs> At the time, I was probably 50 years old. I would go climb that tree <laughs> with my Bible, and I would literally sit up there and read the Bible just to get away and have the Word of God in my head and get a new perspective on everything. And then I would go and be able to survive being indoors again <laughs> for the next four hours or so. I'll never forget when one of the secretaries, I, I heard him in the parking lot, where's Pastor Eddie at? Where is he at? And, and literally they walked, they looked at my truck, and one of them looked up and like, He's in a tree. <laughs> it was like, I had, I'm just telling you, man. You remember the Calgon commercials? Calgon, take me away. Take a Bible bath, not a bubble bath, man. Just go and just read the word of God to bolster your faith. So the armor, uh, let's, let's go to the summary. And, and again, we'll cover these in more detail next week. So you start, you make a commitment to live in the bucket. You stay in the bucket and you dig in. That's the first three pieces. But when getting pelted, you must use your protection. you got to deflect the doubt and discouragement. And you fight Satan by following God. The best way to fight Satan is to follow God. The best way to follow God is by getting into his word and reading it. And knowing what he says, it changes you and it gives you directions and marching orders to do it. So bottom line is we must intimately know God's word by intimately knowing the God of the word. It's all about a relationship with him, and that's what it's about. Amen? So we'll go in more detail about those last ones later, but today I think it's about the shield of faith. When you're in the bucket and you're getting pelted, because I know that's where a lot of folks are right now, since they've been going deeper, they're getting pelted. And you don't have to stand there and get pelted by a frozen paintball, Scott. You got a shield. And the shield is your faith to know God's got a purpose in all of it. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us this word. Father, I never count on me to convey this message, but you to take your Holy Spirit and make it make sense to each person. I pray that each person here had something stick out to them that they need to apply. Father, I, I know it's a tough subject, but it's for real. And Father, um, I do want to pray for those right now that are getting pelted. I know so many in our congregation that are not even here today that are just getting pelted. And I know they're becoming discouraged, Father, and um, having doubt 
And I pray, Father, that you would take your word, you'd give them a desire, give all of us a desire for your word more than we've ever had. Father, help us go to bed at night wanting nothing more than to dig into your word in the morning and be with you and spend time with you. Father, help us even get up early to do that if we've got to, but help us, Father, to build our faith because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Father, I pray that you'd not help fight off all of that stuff, but instead you would um, take it to the next level and we would use the sword to go out and do things that you want us to do. We would become skilled at using your word and we would be so busy following you that the fight is left behind and we watch you fight and we see the victories. So Father, I just pray you would take this and make it make sense to folks today and they would be encouraged to know that you said this is what's going to happen, but you have a purpose in it. And Father, we're grateful to know that this is not going to last forever, but we have a home in heaven and one day it's all going to be perfect. And I pray if there's somebody here today that's never given their life to you and they don't know that they're going to heaven when they die, they don't even know that they've got you living inside of them right now. Father, I pray they, that you would give them a desire they can't refuse to surrender everything they know about themselves to everything they know about you. But Father, thank you for your word and it being truth. Give us the ability to believe it and implement it in our lives. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.